I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. What is up, football fans? I am Danny Austin. This is the Live from the 55 podcast. We are recording here in the Nation Network studios in Marterloop, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. We're about 15 to 20 feet away from where we normally record. No real reason for that. We're just, we got Ian Busby coming in. We're doing a little bit of work on, on our set. And, you know, the guys at the Barn Burner and, and just a game with Rob Kerr. Have graciously allowed me to step onto their set and, and, and record here. So did a little decorating. We got some CFL background, and yeah, guys, I don't think it makes all that much of a difference if you're if you're listening, you know, through audio format. It makes absolutely no difference at all, and you're wondering why I'm doing this uh, introduction. But I mean, the reason, if I'm being totally honest, is that you know we do put up a YouTube show. You know, podcasting might be the main thing, but you know we're we're live on YouTube. Please check us out if you just want to watch me and and my guest today, Ian Busby, who is not in the studio just yet, but he's on his way in. He has graciously decided to give up a little bit of his Sunday morning to talk about what was a, I don't know, was this a great weekend of CFL action? I'm not sure. It was storyline heavy. You know, you had the Hamilton Tiger Cats 27-24 over the Ottawa Red Blacks. That wasn't a great game, but it was fun final score, fun ending a little bit. Then you had the Toronto Argonauts laying a beating on the Montreal Alouettes, 39-10, but that beating pales in comparison to what we saw the mighty Winnipeg Blue Bombers do to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Boy, was that a was that an impressive showing for the Bombers at this point. We're going to talk about this before we get Buzz here. That's going to be a, a decent chunk of my introduction because I just think we got to talk about Zach Kolaros and what he did in the first half there. That was unbelievable, but 51-6 to over the Riders. That was ugly. I don't know what it teaches us exactly, but I do know that at this point, I mean, look, it really does feel like it's the Argos and the Bombers on a crash course rematch of last year's great cup. It feels like that's how it's going. We've learned enough over the last, however many decades, six, seven decades, not to necessarily trust what's happening in early September and assume that that's what's going to be going on at the end of November. But, you know, those two teams are the class of the league and big wins this weekend. Neither of them necessarily like entertaining games for a neutral, but you follow the league and you're looking for the storylines and looking for who is the best right now. You know, you got some answers there. Anyways, the final game, which we're going to have to get into, and I've got Busby here. So, you know, when, when he is with us we are going to obviously break down the Edmonton Elks coming from behind storming back beating the Calgary Stampeders 25-23 this is one that all of the results sort of combined make life incredibly difficult for the Stampeders if they intend on keeping their you know near 20 year playoff streak alive it does not look like it's happening right now they are 4 and 9 this is a loss that believe me i've received emails my my tweet Twitter X. I'm not calling it X. My mentions are completely full. People are not happy with the Stampeders here. It really felt like this is a game that they could have, you know, put their foot down and, and finished the Elks off when they had the chance. And they just didn't. And I, I understand that frustration, but it ultimately adds up to look, the Elks are three and 10. They've won two in a row at home. What a difference a couple weeks makes, but you know, they're not making the playoffs either. It's possible that we have an Alberta list playoffs. When the last time that happened was, but Anyways, here we are, and I want to start talking about Zach Kolaros. Why do I want to start talking about Zach Kolaros? Because Zach Kolaros is awesome. He is always awesome. Uh, you know, that is not something I've ever denied. But I do think in this league, you know, we, we talk about how the history matters, and, and, you know, this is a league where those traditions and, and, and the history is sort of one of its main selling points. 
And after that first half, I just felt with what Zach Caleros did for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, you know, I can't find the stats. It's impossible at the best of times. Although, no, I'm not going to do a side note here. I will get to the stats being mostly back up later. But I felt with Zach Caleros, this guy completes 16 of 17 passes in the first half for 285 yards, five touchdowns passes. That is as close to perfect as you can get. Honestly, I, I was trying to find something. I was like, how do I put this half in historical perspective? Joe Zuger, all-time single-game passing touchdowns record with eight back in 1962. Zach with five at the half was well on pace. If, if the Riders had done their thing and put up some points and this game had stayed close and the Bombers had had to keep their foot on the gas, I think Zach could have broken that. He didn't, and that's fine. Then you look at Matt Dunnigan's single-game passing record, 713 yards back in 94. Um, historic game, absolutely incredible. We are not taking anything away from any of these guys who, who put up these huge numbers. But, you know, he completed 33 of 52 passing attempts through five touchdowns, two interceptions. Zach threw that many touchdowns in the first half. I'm not saying Zach had a better game. Ultimately, like, this doesn't really matter because the Bombers were so far ahead that they didn't ask him to do much in the second half. And not that his stat line ends up looking bad or pedestrian or anything like that. But, you know, ultimately, we're talking about a great half versus a great game. Um, and, you know, we didn't get to see Calero sort of make history or what have you. But I, I still think that that half, man, when we have a player doing that, we talk about, oh, well, the spring leagues are diluting the talent, the NFL, the ro practice rosters are bigger, this and that. Well, it's like we still got guys like Zach, man. Still got guys completing, again, 16 of 17, 285 passing yards, five touchdown passes in a half. You can't ask for more than that. Um, that is absolutely incredible. It, if that was his end of game stats total, we'd be saying, great game. You know, he might have gotten a PFF player of the week, although I don't know how that stuff works. But it was just, as like, it blows my mind that a player like that can come in. I hope that it is the storyline that people are talking about. I still have Chad Kelly as my most outstanding player, sort of front runner at this point. Um, the Argos are 10-1. and one. I think Chad Kelly has been exceptional and it's especially funny given that the big question a lot of us had about the Argos going into the season was Chad Kelly well he has answered but man if you want to tell me that it's Zach I I certainly think that there's going to be an argument there I I don't think that we can ever just sort of do most outstanding player voting at the end of the season and say oh well the quarterback for the best team I get why that annoys fans when media do that but has anyone been better for two quarters than Zach 16 of 17 285 passing yards and five touchdown passes Every time the Bombers got the ball, they scored a touchdown. It, it, it was just it was an unbelievable performance, and, and I think we got to celebrate that. Um, so I, I want to celebrate that, and I, I know Busby is going to want to do the same because, you know, I just I haven't I've been covering this league for seven years. I've been watching it my whole life, and I just can't remember, you know, that many performances where I just saw players so locked in. I mean, the Bombers that entire first half just looked like they heard everyone say that their loss in the in the, their Labor Day game against the Riders, you know, somehow indicated that they had regressed and whatever. And they were like, yeah, well, look what happens when we're at home, when we're locked in, when we're a little bit pissed off. We win 51 to 6. Anyways, that game could have been more lopsided. Um, but just, I don't know, you got to shout out. when the, Arguably the biggest star in the Canadian game has a performance like that. I think that you need to take a moment and acknowledge it and celebrate it because that was, that was pretty special. And whether it goes down, whether it's going to be remembered as one of the all time great halves, I don't think that typically, you know, we have the collective sporting culture memory in Canadian football to say, Oh yeah, that great half and talk about it later on. But um, that was one of the great halves that I've ever seen from a quarterback. I'm just absolutely blown away. It was exciting to watch. It's exciting when you're seeing, you know, an elite player play a, play their best and, and that's what we got there um i also do think i mean if we're talking about history this is something i'm not just trying to regurgitate my tweets here so anyone who follows me might be bored by this but you know as as the argos just comfortably strolled to that 39 10 win over the alouettes so i think most of us maybe by default but considered to be the second best team in the east division you know the team that's most likely gonna be in toronto for that east final um so that was not a nothing win. I, I just think that I looked at the standings. I was like, all right, the Argos are 10 and one right now. I know this because the Stampeders had a shot at it in 2016, but uh, the all-time record for most wins in a season is, is 16 uh, set by 
Edmonton back in 1989. And let's just look at this 10-1 Toronto team and what their schedule the rest of the way is. And do we think it's a win or a loss? At Montreal. Hey, look, I know. They're going into Montreal. It's a different. You're not at home. It's different. But you did just beat them 39-10. So that's a win. That gets them to 11. Home versus Hamilton. Come on. That's a win. That gets the Argos to 12. At Winnipeg. Let's take that away from them. Let's just say Winnipeg wins. We know what Winnipeg looks like at home. We know that that game, and that's what? That's going to be week 17. Let's make sure that we got that right because that's a game that, yeah, that's September 29th. It might just be the biggest game of the season. You know, great cup rematch. Both teams are going to be looking to make a statement. But, okay, let's give that one just so that we're, we're, being, we're being smarter. Let's give that one to Winnipeg, home team, great team. So, the Argos are still at 12 wins. Home versus the Elks, the Argos are going to win. That's 13. Home versus the Red Blacks, that's 14. 14. And then at Sask uh, against the Riders, and then at the Red Blacks. In my opinion, it is, if not not just conceivable, it is likely that they get two 16 wins. So I just I, I think that this Argos team right now has a shot at a little bit of history too. Um, and, and that should be exciting. That should be one of the big storylines for all of us going forward. You know, none of us like that sort of thing. Um, but I think it's not that none of us like that sort of thing. What I mean by that, I apologize is what I mean is I'm sure that like fans in Hamilton, fans in Ottawa, fans in Montreal, fans in pretty much every market aren't going to just want to spend the next two months just talking about how great Toronto is. And I get that, but I, I do think that them being 10 to one at this point with that schedule remaining, you know, puts a little bit of, puts a little bit of history, um, at play and, who knows if they beat the if they beat the Bombers? Maybe they have a shot at actually breaking the record, sixteen wins set by Edmonton in eighty nine. But look, one or another, it's hard not to talk about the Bombers, and it's hard not to talk about the Argos because they just have so emphatically established themselves as as sort of one and one A uh, in the league. I still have the Argos atop my power rankings just because they have the better record and they are, um, you know, the reigning Great Cup champions. But I see Winnipeg do what they did to the Riders. On, on Saturday afternoon, you know, I'm, I don't blame Bombers fans if they're feeling very optimistic right now and that they have their own team atop their power rankings. As for the Stampeders, you know what? I've got Ian. He's going to be here in just about a minute. So let's go. Uh, we really quickly do want to thank our sponsors, um, both Mugs Pub and Fraser and Fig. You guys know I love Fraser and Fig. Got one of their security boards a couple weeks ago. It was fantastic. You know, we're going to, talk about them here in a second and i, I do quickly uh want to make note that uh if you're a buffalo bills fan man mugs pub a place to spend your sundays nfl season starting up make sure you check it out they've got a big contingent of community of, of bills fans it's probably the best place to watch a bills game in the city so uh make sure you don't miss out if you're a bills fan looking for a place to kind of watch what might be a special season with some some new friends or some old friends who knows but make sure you check out mugs pub we're super grateful of them for you know being a sponsor they're the best. So, and thank you to you guys for, for listening. Thanks, guys. Uh, let's get to Ian Busby. Guys, let's say you're having a party. Let's say you're having a picnic. Let's say you're having any occasion. Got to talk to you about Fraser and Fig. Because I love these guys. Here in Martin Loop, a couple storefronts down from our studio here. Fraser and Fig, man. These guys do these delicious elevated cheese and charcuterie boxes. You know, they're made with all these fresh artisanal ingredients. On-demand grazing. Pickup, delivery. You got it. Just let them know what you want. They will get it to you. Honestly, I'm such a big fan. I had a picnic a little while ago. I brought one of their curated boxes, and it was a huge hit. I looked great. People loved it. We're hungry. They weren't hungry anymore. These ready-to-go boxes, they got them in four sizes. All their boxes come with meat, cheese, dried fruit, fresh fruit, nuts, olives, pickles, and carrots. Their selections vary from month to month. Choices are always new. You know, just because you've had one doesn't mean you've had them all. I love Fraser and Fig. I love having them as a sponsor. They're the best. Make sure you check them out. Tell them right from the 55 sent you. All right, Ian Busby, my most regular guest. You've, I think it's been a couple of weeks since we've had you on. Yes, um, it's been busy in the world of Busby and the world of the world. I guess. Yeah, and I mean, you, as we know, you you sort of work weekends, so it makes our schedule yes. uh, very dependent on when the Stampeders play. Right, you can do this. You have kids. Like, there's there's a million reasons why it can sometimes be tough. But uh, they, they all sound like excuses generally. But no, but I've I've said this openly. I mean, my original conception for the show was sort of to have it be me and you every Sunday, and it's just it's hard to do. But yeah. we are thrilled to have you back. Um, you and I spent some time together Friday evening and talked a fair bit of CFL, as um, we always do. As we always <laughs> do. Um, no one wants to hang out with us. Um, 
we get occasionally people <laughs> that, will, that will tolerate us for a few minutes. Um, <laughs> you know, the uh, people, the majority of the people that were sitting next to us the other night didn't want to talk to us, but that's fine. No, um, but that's okay. One of the things that we all said, yes, was or that both of us said, not we all, was that if the Calgary Stampeders were going to make the playoffs, they had needed to sweep the Edmonton Elks. They'd done their part on Labor Day, winning sort of this this furious comeback. Um, but if they wanted to keep pace with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and yep. then when the Hamilton Ticats beat Ottawa, now the Ticats are only one game ahead of the Stamps. They do play ahead of that, but the Stamps need to finish ahead, ahead of, of them. them. Yeah, so they're technically two games uh, exactly being in that crossover position right and they're two games back of the riders and if i'm if i'm not mistaken i believe both of those teams have a game in hand yes the way the way i broke it down and i think i told you on friday night was the the stamps need to win five of their last six and they have to win those crucial head-to-head matchups against hamilton and saskatchewan Mm-hmm. so they're just double checking that your audio is working yeah. Mr. Vega, 100%. <laughs> thank you for that yeah. as our as we quickly do our technical stuff in the middle of the show <laughs> yeah that's what people want on podcasts right. is just me but, checking the so if, if they were gonna if they had to win five of six to make the playoffs and secure their spot you look down the road and you go okay their loss can be to Winnipeg or to BC maybe those are you know scheduled losses not really but well, BC in Vancouver is gonna be that's really that's a tough game so now you look at it, okay, well, now they have to win five of their last five to me to secure that playoff spot and like to for sure secure it. Now they can get, there's other ways to get there. Saskatchewan has a, a kind of an easier schedule, I think. I was looking at it last night. I did the math last week. They're the winning percentage of the teams that they play yeah. going into this weekend right. is lower than what the Stampeders had. Right. Now there is one... <clears throat> Big caveat there, which is that the Stampeders have the Bombers in the last game of the season when chances are the Bombers are going to have nothing to play yes. for and are, and are going to be relatively smart and, and rest some starters for part of the game. So there should yeah. be a chance there. They don't do full rest because they'll have a week off to really recharge the batteries. But again, yeah, you look at that game, Winnipeg likely not needing to win that game. Who knows? Maybe BC turns it on here in the next few weeks and puts the pressure on Winnipeg. But uh-huh. The, the way that the Stamps have dug themselves a hole, and you, when you look at this game, you just think, okay, this is not a team that should even make the playoffs no. because they are, are not one of the upper echelon teams. There was three games yesterday, two, two, the other two games featuring the top two teams in the CFL, and those teams look like the top teams in the CFL because they got out to leads and they put the hammer down. And it's exactly what you got to do as a, if you're an upper echelon team, you're a contender, you put the hammer down on the other team. Like Winnipeg wasn't even trying to run up the score, but they were just so inf- superior yeah. to when you have a, mo- when you have home, a double digit just, lead in the second half, you have to put your foot on the team. Keep, keep and, it on the, yeah. keep, keep your foot on the gas. And the stamps just couldn't do that. And what did they get? One first down in the fourth quarter. Did they time? even get one? I, I, mean, <laughs> like, they, I think it was one, okay. but it may have been by penalty. Like it just, yeah. I it, it I was, looked at the connect live last night as I was writing my story and it, it seemed to say zero, but, yeah, um, but again, they didn't, they didn't get any offense going in the fourth quarter. When you had that lead, you should be, this is a team that should be able to run the ball. They've got what we argue is the best running back in the league. It's, it felt like a real failure on their part. And you, that's the thing. There have been losses. Where a few plays at the end, but uh, they shouldn't even have left it to that point. Well, and, and I mean, Look, I did not like there was a pass interference call uh, on the Elks' final dri- drive, where yeah. especially given that there was a pretty clear push-off by Eugene Lewis on Trey Roberson, there are two calls that I didn't like. But here is the thing that I am going to say, and I, I put this out on Twitter. You, you can't win with people, but uh, – no, you honestly can't. I had people being like, oh, you're whining. And I'm like, I'm saying that the pa- those calls aren't the point. He didn't spell whining correctly. I know. You, you saw that. <laughs> what are you talking about? Winning? Was um, it winning? Okay, yeah. I thought he thought he was misspelling winning with the first. The part. entire point of my tweet was exactly what you just said, which is that sorry, like in MMA, which I used to cover, the whole thing was like, if you want to complain about the judges' decision, don't don't leave, leave it to the judges. Don't leave it to the judges. And yeah. if you want to complain about the referees' decisions, and this is the first point, you can't. Like you had the chance to mean that the, nothing the referees could do yeah. would matter, and you didn't do it. So that's my first thing, and secondly. I think that if you are an Elks fan, you might be looking at Austin Mack getting tossed out of the Alouettes Argos game earlier in the day for, you know, a bit of a right cross, which yeah. I thought the whole th- that was worse. But 
And R- Reggie Bagleton could have been tossed from that game and wasn't. So if, if you want to say, oh, the referees screwed the, the stamps, well, it, it kinda, there's another play where, like, yeah. I, I honestly, like, I'm not saying, I'm not calling for Reggie Bagleton to be kicked out of that game. No. But, like, there's a pretty strong argument for, for that being an ejectable call. And, and, he wasn't so like the you know these things balance out a little bit and I didn't like those two calls but frankly the Elks shouldn't have had the ball they had turned the ball over on downs with what a minute 30 left yeah and the Stamps had the ball and, and you, they did you... two running plays that didn't work and like you have I don't know there's just other options and I I didn't feel you know if there's one player I don't put this game on it's Jake Mayer no um, well the 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 conservative nature of the second half of the Stampeders because it felt like, okay, it was working in the first half. And Jake was also the thing that we, I've been harping on. I was like saying for the last few weeks after the Winnipeg game here in Calgary, it was like, Jake needs to take the ball down and run with it when he's got the opportunity to run. And he was doing that. He was showing more confidence and being a little bit more of that. Okay. Let's just play for another down and play for fresh set of downs when you're complaining about the officiating like that, it all evens out in the end. Like it's eventually like calls will go your way. Some calls won't go your way. It, it comes back to, to even out basically. You I, hope. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah, like that's, uh, and, that's how it's supposed in to In all my years of covering football, I was very rarely would complain about the officiating. Yeah. And, and, and that's right not what we're doing calls. here. We're actually saying it's the opposite. Yeah. It, uh, I, I, I think, that call the the pass interference one that gave the Elks the chance to get in the field goal range. It's one of those ones. that's like, yeah, there's contact. They reviewed it. You can't say it wasn't, there was contact there. So you just have to like, okay. Well, Farham said it perfectly. It. He was like, it probably wasn't pass interference, but there was enough that you can't overturn the call. Yeah. Um, and like, I, again, I do not like the call, um, but. And there was just so many other things to like in this game up until the last quarter with the stamps. Right. Yeah. I, I felt like they, they, Great uh, defensive game plan against Trey Ford. They were containing him. They basically had Cam. It felt like Cam Judge was in the spy position. Was like, okay, he's our Cam he's Judge our, was amazing. He was our time. best. He's our best option as at slowing this guy down. We're just going to put him ten feet away. And it was like, where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? Went into prevent. It didn't work. Yes. Um. In, in the fourth quarter. Now, I also. I mean, I, I'm getting all these people yelling and shouting about the defensive backs. Let us be clear that they had three defensive back starters who were out of the lineup from last week and and were replaced. Now, Nick Taylor, Brad Muhammad, you know, those are, those are established players who they were bringing in who are are veterans who have been around the league for a lot, but like that is, that is a lot of movement. And I I don't think that like in the fourth quarter, it it came undone a little bit. And there was some, there was a pass interference call that I actually do think was merited. And then there were just a bunch of big plays where you sort of thought like, all right, well, Trey Ford's under no pressure because they're only rushing three. Yeah. And then, and with that, the DBs just aren't able to contain these Elks receivers right now. And I, I'm not saying that that's the whole thing. It's just, I, I I did sort of understand that interpretation. It was just Trey Ford couldn't throw the ball and then all of a sudden he could. <laughs> and and I think well, that when the, we, but I, I, if I may, like I, I think that this is sort of the nature of, of sports fandom and sports media is that when the stamps come, store, like if you're in Calgary, you focus on the stamps. Yeah. When the stamps came storming back in the Labor Day Classic, it was, oh, look at their resilience and, and look how right. great they're. When the Elks do it, it's look how bad the stamps were. Yeah. And I, I do think that like Trey Ford, you got to give him credit because I actually tweeted, I was like, this guy is showing like both why he's an exciting prospect, but the limitations to his game at this point through yeah. three quarters because he just couldn't throw the ball. Um, and, and whatever sort of adjustments the stamps made in that fourth quarter when they were just kind of desperately trying to hang out onto the lead, they didn't work. And what Trey Ford showed us is that He's good enough to like. You're, you can't hold him eventually. You, yeah, you, you you can't hold him forever. And eventually, he's going to find his plays and get his yardage, and which is what he did. And c- credit to the Elks, they hung in there, right? They they were like, okay, well, this game because there was a time where I was like, oh man, just one more play. It feels like well, that was and, to be honest, that but and, that and was this, accurate. Yeah, it was and one the, more and play. Stamps and this is like literally, this is going to be over. But it's like okay, waiting, waiting for that play to happen. So, and I have, I will say, in terms of that one more play, I think that the second and three where they gave, where they tried to run the ball on their last drive yeah. is the one that I, I certainly like from the, from the reaction from fans that I am getting. That's the one that people are focusing in on. And look, I get it. It, it certainly didn't work. So yeah. there's no defending that. I will also say though that like, if they had gone for a little five yard pass and it hadn't worked, everyone would have said, "Why, why aren't you running? There? Why isn't yeah. the ball in Kadeem Carey's hands?" Um, 
Well, that's the, and that's the power running game that this team should have. And just and in key moments, what's the old saying in this league? You have to run the, you don't have to run the ball all the time, but you have to run the ball when they know you want to run the ball. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. Yeah. And that's basically. And the Elks D line is pretty good. I yeah, think that like yeah. we have, and that, that's the, probably the Elks been defense true. is not bad. Like, no. That's the, they've had bad games. Yeah. But also they've been also on the field for periods of time that shouldn't have happen. Right. You, yeah. you should be on time half the game, not three quarters of the game. And, and I mean, this is, I think the point that you made where you were like, you watch that game and it is not, Oh, the Stampeders, what can they do with the rest of their schedule? The reality is, like, I look at their schedule, and their schedule is, I have this in front of me, uh, Montreal, Hamilton, Sask, BC, Winnipeg. Well, here's the thing. Do I think that they can beat probably Montreal at home, Hamilton, BC? And, and I mean, you just have to pray. Yeah, you can win for those. Hugs. The thing is, I don't think they're that they're going to. They just, like, they just yeah. gave up a huge fourth-quarter lead to the Elks. And, I'm you know, I cover this team, so this is a little bit awkward because if any of the guys listen, they're going to think. But, like, the reality is, like, what am I supposed to say? They've lost, what, five of their last six, yeah. um, including a game to Edmonton where, yes, Edmonton had broken their home losing streak, but they broke it against Ottawa, who is the right. other worst team <laughs> in the league. So if, if we look at this and say, okay, well, Edmonton's last three were Ottawa Damn. and then two against Calgary, well – and yep. then and and they won two or three. Well, Calgary's now in that like look, they split against Ottawa, they split against Edmonton. That you can't yeah. like this isn't me being trying to knock them down, but like the reality is they are one of the it, three and teams it, that probably isn't gonna make the playoffs, and that they're they're going five hundred against the other two teams that aren't gonna make the playoffs. Yeah. So, so how am I gonna say that I think that they're gonna beat like, like BC away well, from home? They're not. So yeah, I can't well, see that. So what are they they've lost five of six? I believe so. Yeah, and and you're looking at okay, now they need to win five in a row. They might have lost four or five. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Edmonton's won three or four, so it's like okay, yeah. The facts but, don't lie. Yeah, and that's the. Thing. I think the Stamps have more talent that's, than the Elks. I that's think they're the, like, Don Matthews saying is our record is what our record is. It's like we we can't say we're better than our record because they're four and nine right now, and yeah. they've lost what four or five games with less than three point three points or less now. I don't you, think that you there is say, a world can, in which you the can Stamps say lose. You can say if, you're close, but you're not close because you're not winning these games. No, it's this is a, and they like, that's the thing. How many close games have they lost? They lost twice in overtime. Okay, but like they're, they're, they're losing those games. Yes, and and at this point, this is about making the playoffs. This is that's the only thing that is supposed to matter. It's yeah. the minimum for the Stampeders, and they're not going to do it. Now, do I think that on their worst day they're going to lose fifty-one-six to the Bombers? No, no. Do I think that like one way or another? They're going to be close with the riders. Yeah, I sort of think they are. Like, that's the weird thing is that they have the talent yeah. and, and the execution to the point where, and especially with the offense, which has gotten better despite that fourth quarter. And I, I do think that, like, again, being slightly more aggressive, I, I think Jake is just. I, I saw someone tweet, like, oh, the stamps are, are stuck in this thing with Jake, what the team's getting with Cody Fajardo, where he's not actually good enough. It's like, man. Like, I, 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 I wouldn't great. say that. Jake, I wouldn't say Jake's been great for three weeks in a row. Yeah. Um, and I don't like, I no. I, people think not their, easy on Jake. It's, it's like, not no. their problem right now. No, it's, it, they've, they've got other problems to worry about, but it, future quarterbacking, you know, prospect. I, I don't think that's the problem. No. Maybe, maybe they don't have the hottest prospect because Trey Ford looks like the hottest prospect in the league right now. But again, we had a couple uh, of weeks where we thought Dustin Crum was the hottest prospect in the league. Well, so, yeah. so it, it goes up and down, but it, you say Calgary has a guy that they feel like is the guy for the future. And he's the guy for right now, because you got to go through right now to get to the future. Yeah. And they're, and they're building. And I just think that like the last three weeks, he threw for what? three seventy something, I believe against yeah. the Argos three twenty last week. Like the reason why we come out of this game and anyone focuses is simply because he lost, but yeah. like, I, I look across the board here, and I'm like, okay, wait. Edmonton had four turnovers. Calgary had zero, and Edmonton <laughs> won. Stamps didn't allow a sack. They were, like, two of four in the red zone. Um, I There's just no there's just no world in which, like, if they had it, I just – I'm not putting it on play calling because I don't necessarily think that I'm smart enough to put it on play calling. No. But I what I do think is that it was uh, a decision to – just play a conservative and preserve the win and avoid mistakes. And you said it, it's killer instinct. The, the best teams don't give you a chance to get back in the game. Yes. And 
well, and, and that that's what I saw earlier yesterday as I watched nine hours of football was, which is a glorious day for me. I love it. Uh, so funny because like, <laughs> I, I actually said this in the end. I was like, I had a great day yesterday. Like literally, like yeah. I had food at home. I didn't need to leave the house. I just sat on my couch down and like, just no alcohol, just like hanging out watching football. And like two of the three big games were like objectively pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, like no, I there's there's enough bomber fans in my life who are just like we're having the greatest time. I'm like this game's terrible, guys. It's terrible. I don't even want to watch it anymore, but I continue to watch because it's a train wreck. And I do like blowouts. Uh, I've got a weird fascination. Well, and me. yes, before we, I, I do want like let's let's finish with the stamps before okay. we go on to that game. Yeah, because like. Because again, that was like but a beautiful I'm, blowout. But basically, what I was <laughs> a beautiful blowout. But also, I I was just like, okay, last game is gonna have some juice because we're gonna have a nice cl- close game, and we did, which was great, and I enjoyed it. And then you come out of there feeling like this is okay. People always used to ask me if I'd go on radio shows and stuff to say, "What's your biggest surprise of the season?" Well, my biggest surprise of the season is of all the stuff that's happened. It's not the Argos. It's the Stamps being four and nine and being out of the playoff picture for the first time in almost, it's like like 17 years of making the playoffs. They were also never in the crossover conversation. They were always in the conversation to host a playoff game. This is a team that I've always just expected playoffs are, is where you're going to be, where it's just where you finish and where those playoff games are going to be is the kind of the question mark. And they're like, okay, long ago that hope of hosting a playoff game was gone and now it's like oh can they even get in and get the crossover like that's this is just the the, it's un it's weird for me it's the first time you've covered a non-playoff team or a possible non-playoff team Uh, me too like it's been 2004 since the last time the stamps didn't make the playoffs now i was kind of covering the team at the time not as full-time as following seasons 2005 is when i started doing it full-time and then it's been playoffs ever since. Yes. And I'm going to play devil's advocate for a split second. And if anyone just decides to like, this is somehow you've listened to half an hour of a podcast and you ignored everything else I said and are just listening to this, you're going to make, oh, Danny is making excuses. Are they hate listening? Is that what you're, are you talking uh, to the hate listeners? I, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> Believe me, if you saw my emails this morning, um, I've got Elks fans laughing at me and i'm like guys i don't care <laughs> like, <laughs> i just cover the team uh and then i have stamps friends who some of them are saying well good job holding them accountable others are saying i'm too easy on the team one of them, one of them said let's just read it let's just read it <laughs> all right we're doing listener email now well <laughs> you are too nice to the stamps coaching lost this game in the last minute running well on segment three was stupid the season is on the line. Has to be three down football. Why not use Stevens, who is near perfect in short yardage, use him two times to get three yards or pass for three? Again, I'm like I'm not trying to make fun of this person. They're like it's very nice that they take the time to write, yeah. but like I'm I'm very much helping them out grammatically. There's a lot of periods here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways, I'm not gonna keep going with it because it's it's sort of mean, and I I do like this person, and I'm happy that they're drafting. But if this is the only thing that you're listening to, you're gonna think, oh, I'm making excuses. I'm not. I am going. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I want you to just very quickly go through the six-game injured list for the Calgary Stampeders right now. 16 players on it, including Clark Barnes, who was, was their, the rookie of the year until was he the rookie of the year. Bryce Bell, who was at worst their sixth, their sort of offensive lineman who plays everywhere, yeah, um, but was like their starting left tackle for a number of games. Tay Daniel, Daniel Amoko, Natrell Jamerson, Shaq St. Lot, Titus Wall, all starting DBs. So when people are talking about the DBs, that's five, D- well, not starting DBs, but sorry, all five DBs who are not available to them. Yeah. Um, Malik Henry. Their top receiver, receiver, arguably the top receiver in the league. Peyton Logan, who... Their dynamic return guy. Their dynamic return guy who was also basically their back, backup running I, back. I, when I saw him get hurt, I was like, oh, that's that's a difficult one. Mike Moore, who started a bunch of games at defensive end this year. Jalen Philpott, supposed to be in his second year. Top There's, Canadian yes. receiver. TJ Ram, their backup Canadian defensive lineman. Stuart Silas. It was him and Micah Alway, and I am genuinely led to believe that they expected Silas Stewart to be their starting middle linebacker this season as a turf toe issue hasn't played all year. Hugh Thornton, their starting right tackle for at the start of the season. Cole Tucker, their rookie first-round draft pick who was expected to play. James Varder, Vodders, brought back from leading, the NFL. Leading sack. <laughs> five sacks in six games. And, like, again, Titus Wall, their starting sand. Like, this team is really, really badly hit by injury, and I'm not using it as an excuse. But for all of the people who are saying, oh, this is about they're not bringing talent up, this is not – you can't have 16 well, players. Should we go over the list of the people that they let go in free agency or couldn't sign in free agency over the last four or five years? Of course. Or the guys that they lost to the NFL? Like exactly. Scouting is the issue, except that they're somehow – basically feeding the rest of the league their talent yeah like come on scouting is not the issue with this team they are they are a talent pipeline and they always had been they like as soon as john huffnagel took over and it's been it's just been an talent just comes through calgary and it's not the lack there's i've heard that take it was like oh calgary's need to develop players i'm like yeah they've developed players they just don't develop them for themselves a lot so, well, they'd love to keep them, but the reality is those yeah, guys tend to come in play really the, well and get is, bigger contracts, and you can't pay all of them yeah. under the CFL salary cap, so they lose the, a bunch of them. Now, they're, they're a product of their own – they're a victim of their own success. And is there a level where – and this is where I think that – this isn't the thing that's talked about because we don't have the numbers, but, like, are there go- going to be questions about where the money was spent this year? Probably. I can't speak to that because I – It's I, not public money. Like, it's not public information. No, I so. genuinely don't know. Now, it raises the question of are there going to be changes, major changes to the Stampeders in this offseason? I think that, like, in terms of player personnel, obviously we'll see some some guys come in and come out. That always happens. That is the reality. I genuinely think that we have seen, like, Farhan – basically tweeted it yesterday, but over the last three weeks, Dave Dickinson has sort of taken a little bit of the play calling back. And I think that we've seen a positive improvement despite the questions that people are asking about the fourth quarter. Um, I don't think that was a play calling issue. I really don't. I think it was more of like they went conservative and didn't work. Yeah. Um, and you can question that. I'm not saying that he is above reproach here, um, but could Mark kill him? Could Dave say, I want to focus more on being GM and Mark kill him becomes head coach. I think, I mean, I, none of this thing is necessary. And I have a feeling that if they miss the playoffs, they're going to want to well, run I mean, it back and prove that they're better than this. Yeah, and that that's the thing. There's always change when there's a s- unsuccessful season in the terms of not making the playoffs, having a losing record, which is weird because we haven't had that <laughs> year enough. So they, they've had a lot of consistency in that coaching staff. And I think consistency is the key. 100%. So I would, I would run this team back and you try and have your top two, your top Canadian receiver, your top, american receiver and your your 
return specialist and all these guys that you've put together, see if you can run it back and you get a bit, bit better luck in the yep. uh, injury department because some of these think times it's like, no, the pieces are there. There's a lot of building blocks here. Now, this is just one of those seasons that maybe you hate to have it. You hate to say, oh man, we, we it was a learning year. Well, maybe it was a learning year for this. this team. There's no they're, one. They're a fairly young <clears throat> team still. There's no one I trust more. To, and again, I think the Stamps having a bye week now is, is they've always been great coming off bye weeks. Yeah, so. they've always been great coming off bye weeks. And lot, and in 2021, when they started two and five, they had a bye week. I, there's no one I trust more than this coaching staff to yeah. literally like do the work to at the very least give their chance their team the best chance to win. And I and that is my thing is I absolutely any idea that there needs to be sort of massive changes in in, in the coaching staff. I just don't agree with. I think that um, this this group has a track record of success. Um, and I think that yeah. I understand the frustration with after, after 2023 season. So 2024, it will have like, by the time November, 2024 rolls it will have been six years since this team won a playoff game. Right. That is a, that is an issue that like cannot be ignored and, and needs to be addressed. Yeah. They have not been an elite CFL team based on the results. Yeah. I mean, I, I know for a fact that the bombers throughout 2021 and 2022 are like, Stamps are probably our hardest playoff matchup. I, I heard that from people in Winnipeg, but Stamps didn't win playoff games. You, yeah. They didn't get to those playoff games. Exactly. Yeah. They didn't get to those. Well, yeah, they didn't get to the Bombers one. So look, this is where we're at is the fact of the matter is like this team, we can't talk about them the way that we talked about the Bolivar Mitchell era, like that the first sort of five right. or six years, the, the first 10 years of the Huffnagel era. That is not where they are at. The Bombers have planned on them. I know other teams have, have moved past them as well. And that's why they're not going to make the playoffs. But... I also just, I'm sorry, like the, the idea that there would be any sort of structural change at the top be based on performance. They may, and I have no idea, they may be saying, all right, well, we got to promote one or two guys to keep them here. Dave wants to, Dave has a family. He wants to, you know, be GM. That may happen. I don't, but it is, I would not be doing it based yeah. on performance. I, I see, I see no indication that Dave Dickinson doesn't want to coach this team next year, but Yes, and this is what. Well, and even talking about it, we're sort of lending it credence, right? Yeah, and it's like, I know. I, it's I not like, what I want to. Yeah. It's not what I'm trying to do. Like, don't aggregate this thing and go. Well, these guys think that Dave Dickinson's yeah. on his way out. I, we do not think that at all. But that's the problem. So we, we've you, you've got several head coaching candidates on this, on the Stampeders. Kellen Delmonico, Monson. Yeah, and well, and also uh, Mueller. Like I would like not maybe head coaching, but elevation like coordinator job these sure. guys could be coordinators and or mm -hmm. assistant head coaches elsewhere you know you you look what happened a few years ago brian dinwiddie gets named head coach as quarterbacks coach from calgary he gets named head coach he takes Corey mace along with him so that's two guys off their staff so not only are they feeding players to the other parts of the league they coaches as well yep. yeah josh bell is also there as is <laughs> right. as is coach costanza um, yeah exactly so it's also one of the things that um, actually, make make the coaching tree we want to do that yeah i i don't see major change being coming with this team and i also don't see major change being necessary with this team you know you you might want to add a piece here and there and you can try and you know shore up the, the areas that you were thin at this year well again a lot of a lot of times you're going to get guys you're going to get bags back from injury you're going to hopefully that's going to be the difference well right? he can already signed for three more seasons i believe and yeah he was again was in my opinion if he wasn't number one in the league last year he was awfully close so yeah. and again and like you hope jalen philpot returns and is healthy and you're, you're looking at all these other yeah, and i mean again and and james like, vodder vodder should be coming back like, yeah yeah you're, they've they've got the pieces in place i i i, I just it's just one of those I have this weird feeling like we're heading, it's only a week after Labor Day and we're talking about the Stamps not being in the playoffs and that just has never happened in, no, in, but in the last 15 to 17 years. It's just not been an, a question. Well, like, we're always looking forward to like, you're, you're not going to cheer for, you don't cheer for or against the Stamps, but what you want to do is have the team go to the Grey Cup so that you can go to the Grey Cup. That's one of the things about, <laughs> covering the CFL. That's, well, that's what I was always at. I'm like, just go to the Grey Cup. I don't care if you win or not. I just right. want to go too, right? You want to get, you want to go along for the ride. I, I think you, we're you, both you, conscious of certain changes that have happened that yeah, wouldn't mean I, that yeah, necessarily. Right? You probably <laughs> no, not going to the Grey Cup anyway. But anyway, um, no, and I agree. And it's, it's just a weird feeling that I'm going to the Grey Cup this year. This is the earliest I've ever booked my Grey Cup trip, and I 
don't ex- like there's 100% this Calgary Stampeders won't be there and that's just a different feeling for me because they used to be there every year yeah and I mean the reality is I think that if we look at and, and, and we'll move into a little bit more of a CFL-wide discussion here but if I look at these division the Argos are winning the East it's not up for debate well and one of the things uh, that was clear <laughs> about this weekend was we know where the East and West final are going to be I feel yes uh it just feels like okay it's in Winnipeg you can book your t- ticket there for that one and Toronto that's going to be the the home of the yep. East, East final and you know everything else is for second place right now exactly now you have the Alouettes at six and six. The Alouettes got got beat thirty nine to ten. They've that got was, a, they've got a Toronto problem. Basically. I said that that was a show me game for Montreal. Except I say that every week on Montreal. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, they were showing you a lot, but well, it, and that's the thing. It's they just came in and they like clearly showed that it's, as it's, of right now, it's it's they either win or lose bad. Like it's they're kind of in that yeah. range of like okay, well, and, and I think that like they are certainly. I mean, I, I think they're right now. It's it's Toronto and Winnipeg. Yeah, one A and one B. Although I have said this, and I'll say it again. I said it in the intro. I, I have the Argos, reigning Grey Cup champions, ten and one. You're my number one team. Yeah, Bombers might be the team that scares me the most, but one, two. That's the top tier. I used to have it, and then I have a a, a second tier, which is basically the Lions. I've changed up my three tier system. It's now a four tier <laughs> system, and then I sort of have everyone else. Okay. Um, because I think that like the Riders have shown me enough that one bad loss. Where they just like they weren't ready for what Winnipeg had for them. Yeah. Does not mean See, and they, they they still they, beat them a week ago. They earlier. were just like, okay, we won our Labor Day game, and then we're like, we're gonna lose a banjo bowl. Like it just felt like that was kind of like, oh, we're gonna trot out there and we're gonna lose this game. Yes. You know, and the atmosphere there in Winnipeg was just incredible. But, and I I I can't remember a game where there was more crowd shots. Like <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's it like looks so much fun. Yeah, it's just like it's just like crowd shot after crowd shot of somebody in a weird hat and a banjo and like I don't know and, why and it was great. It was it's awesome. And it I was like, yeah. And if I'm a TSN director or producer, I'm just like, yeah, give me more crowd shots because that's just funny. Banjo bowl has to be at this point like for bucket list, other than like, seeing a Grey Cup live like in season. Yeah, it's, it's probably clearly, like your number one. Yeah, because I had a couple of like 2019 when the Riders hosted the West Final, which like weirdly very rarely has happened in their history. Yeah. My buddy Sean Knox was like, dude, are you sure you don't want to go? And I was like, yeah, we're driving to Saskatchewan. Let's go. <laughs> I, I had to see a West Final in Sask, especially that one. Yeah. But like this one for me, I mean, it's the Banjo Bowl is my number one. Want to see it. it? It might be the last like major because I've seen I've seen a Labor Day in Ontario. I, I've seen most of those games. Right. And like East Final or West Final anywhere would be very high on the list. But I think like in season, I don't care about touchdown Atlantic. It'd be nice to like go to Halifax and hang out in the yeah, summer. But like it but, doesn't actually matter to me. It's all made. <laughs> no, no. First game when the when the Halifax or whatever gets their team, that would be amazing. Yeah. In like, in. I can in freaking Narnia um, <laughs> <laughs> when Halifax gets a team. I, I think that might be the first time I swore. I, I hope that that didn't in Narnia. Okay. <laughs> um, Ar- Argos though, like this is, the, it's the weird thing talking about. I have no problem talking about the Winnipeg SAS game because I, I, I said, I'm answer. I tweeted. I, I think that we need to do a better job talking about what Zach did in the first half, but the Argos owls was just like, it was just, big boy stuff from the yeah. Argos. They were like, oh, no, like, you can't. You no, can't you're not coming into our house and messing up our day. And it was just like, all right, God, and it, it's fine. And so now Montreal needs to bounce back and show back at home that they can, like, not get pushed around anymore. So, but Toronto, like, they seem to be like, they go out and they just, like, they have these great starts and then they have these lulls and they're just like, okay, are you guys, all right, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, we got to win this game. Like, let's go out and win this game. And it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of pressure on them because there isn't, you know, they're, yeah, yeah they're nine and one. Yeah. So, cause they're a game. No, they're behind. 10 and one, 10 and one. Okay. So they're a game behind everybody else right now because they, they don't have a buy in the second half of the season. So they, they just feel like a team that can turn it on when they need to, but sometimes they don't feel like they need to. So that could be one of those. Okay. Are they going to coast right into the playoffs and host that East final and be like, Maybe they'll be susceptible to somebody coming in and surprising them. Well, we're, but, we're, we're retreating. We're, we're, I am now just going to ask you a question that this is on me, but I'm literally like I talked about this in my intro. Their remaining schedule at Montreal. They just won 39-10. Yeah. That's, we're on paper. We're saying on paper is this one or losses in the CFL, anything can happen. Win for you at Montreal. Uh, yeah. Yeah, probably. Like if you were if you were putting money on, on it, if well, you were and I do, I do put money yes. on it. Uh, I usually wait till game time to figure that out. 
but I kind of like Montreal to bounce back, but okay because well that I, disrupts my whole theory because i just <laughs> no keep going okay. but yeah okay i, 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 I don't I, i'm not like i'm 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 one of those guys i'm like i'm hoping for them to be a home dog and then i'll put money on if them. if toronto had won by a score and then we're going into montreal yeah it'll be, they won by 29 points so for me it's a for me that's a very clear like hey montreal it was, can it you was prove me real wrong, close but, in montreal a, f- a month ago when they played there but so. toronto won yeah, they won. Yeah. So they won. And they won by nine or ten or yes. something like that. So, okay. Home versus Hamilton, that's a win. Word, for the record, for the sake of my argument, we're chalking that up as a Montreal win. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. Okay, so that gets them to 11. At home versus Hamilton, that's a win for Toronto. It gets them to 12 wins. Away at Winnipeg, let's say that's a loss. Okay. That's, it's going to be the game of the season, yeah. arguably. Well, but, and everybody's going to talk about that as a great cup preview. Yep. Uh, home versus the Elks, that's a win. Gets yeah. them to 13. At Sask, I'm still going to give that to Toronto. They're the best team in the league. They've lost once all season. Guess number 14 at Ottawa. Yeah. I'm missing one in here. Either way. Oh, no. And they have home versus the Red Blocks. They have home and away. Okay. That gets them to 16 wins, which is like tied for the all-time record for most wins in a season. This Toronto team is historically good right now. Yes, 100%. You're correct. So they have a there's a chance that they set the all time record for wins in the season. <laughs> Not a, I'm, I'm, and that, that I would was, bet and against that was a it. dominant es- Eskimos team in the 80s that set that record. Like it was a 16 and two Eskimos team with I think their quarterback room was Dunnigan, Damon Allen, and Tracy Ham. Like the, it's the 1989 team. I, I could look it up. Uh, I believe that's the quarterback room of the 1989 Eskimos. Yes, they this team. Do they do they feel like an all time great team? Yeah. Like there's, I don't, there's just no flaw. They're the best team in the league right now. There's really no holes on their roster. They're oh man, this is like a Calgary season. The Elks finished in first place with the CFO record, sixteen wins. Then, well, they lost in the playoffs. So this is kind of <laughs> yes, yeah. so 1989 was uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. See, this is this is this basically backs up my theory that sometimes you coast through the regular season and you don't win the playoffs. You games. always want to get hot late in the year, right? And I think that like that's why prior to yesterday the stamp still felt a little bit of hope right like okay well we'll get some of our injured players back so we're gonna get hot we're gonna be good and then yeah. it just like well, the, the 15 the math one and, doesn't add up what was the 15 two and one stamps a few years 2016. ago yeah so they didn't win the great cup nope. so it, again it, the regular season is great for giving you playoff positioning and then you have to be able to keep that momentum rolling through the playoffs yes so like 15 and three teams don't often don't always win the great cup and you you know, the stamps were three years in a row where they were 15 and three didn't, I don't think they came up with no. I will also just quickly on the Argos say like, there's so much to like about that team and they're 10 and one. Of course there is. I I love AJ. I love the job he's doing. Um, Although I did just tweet like five minutes before we got on air about how like, there's no argument that Brady Oliveira is the top running back in the league right now. Uh, <laughs> but but Ouellette, I really like what he does too. But like, well, and I, and they're those two look they're very similar because they're power backs. And yes. and, and we saw Brady last night that you, you need a power back sometimes. And 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 this is what Winnipeg is doing when they're running up the score. They're just running the ball a lot. And you know, and then you're just like you can see the defense go coming off the field going, oh, he's this. They're just trucking us and we it's it's you know even if they only get seven eight yards he's still like well making us pay and so. i'm going to use that segue while also acknowledging that what i was very quickly going to say is on top of all that they had like the argus had six receivers with double digit receiving yards like over 20 last like they just have so like they just use their weapons so yeah. effectively and you they're not know. wearing anybody out they're uh like they're they're gonna team you know up they had most buys they had all their buys in the first half so we'll see if they're like wearing down in the second half of the year here but again that that game yesterday didn't feel like they were like some of those guys didn't even break a sweat yeah so and that was the like the whole game it was like oh yeah this is not a the alouettes need to put a little bit more <laughs> effort into like make them work for it a bit harder so now the riders probably needed to make the bombers work a little harder for it <laughs> <laughs> 51 six and like yes it was a blowout but because I actively like, and I mean, I, you know, I don't know how much we've talked, but he's probably like, so I was just like, this is a, one of the greatest halves of CFL quarterbacking that I've ever seen from yeah. Zach Calera. They were just in, yeah. Uh, 16 of 17, 285 passing yards, five touchdowns. Like I was really in the first half, in the first half. <laughs> um, if 
Like I was, there, really- there was a lot of, there was a lot of like in the second half going, why is Calaro still out there for somebody to headbutt him? Like that. Yep. And I, I hear that. But- now, now not like, it didn't feel like the riders were in that mode of like, after last week when the, the headbutt and it was just, I also just like the stupidest thing you've seen in this league in a long during time. During the first half, I was rooting for like Dolagala to get the ball back for the riders and then just like do a Hail Mary and score just to keep it close enough that Zach could keep playing for the second half <laughs> just i was run like up some numbers because well, i knew that they weren't gonna like it would have been terrible if he'd gone in there and just thrown for 230 more yards and they they really had run up the score like yeah. they basically stopped trying to score yeah and they, the- they weren't they weren't running up the score they exact they were like they would get into they would in the drive, half, drives they would-, would stall and they would kick field goal like they, there was i think they had their last 12 points were all on field goals like it was just something to that effect i think their last nine yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I like made a big deal out of that. It was their last nine, and I'm, I only know that because they scored on a touchdown on every possession in the first half. Yes. And then, so <laughs> like, I know that that's where they were at. They were. Then, they all. They were playing a perfect game up until then, and it was like, yeah. Oh, it was like legitimately, and I, I mean, I said in the intro, it's like I I went back and because it was only a half, there's no use comparing it to the history, but like Dunnigan seven thirteen, he completed thirty three of fifty two passing attempts, five touchdowns, two interceptions, and that game was close though. Is wasn't it? I believe so. I honestly, I only that's, the that's the reason he was kept trucking downfield, right? I was 10 years old and living in Toronto at the time. I was not, I don't remember the details. <laughs> um, but like with Zach 16 of 17, 285 passing and five, no interceptions. Like you, you extend that over and it didn't get extended. So what's the no, point of debating it? But he was on pace for, <laughs> oh my <laughs> like, God. He was, and I just uh, think almost it was like a 600 yard game. Like Jesus. Like if, if, this was halftime of a Monday night football game and, and Josh Allen or, or Mahomes did that. It would, it would be all anyone talked about for four days. And I like, well, I mean, they still talk about Buffalo uh, crushing new England and having yeah. like, they, they scored on every possession and their last one was a kneel down. Like that, that's the type of game he was having. Exactly. Except that in the CFL, you don't have that long of drive. So you can't just run the clock down that much. Right. It was elevated. Like it, it was honestly, it was, the best quarterback half I've seen and in my just, time it, covering it, the league. And it just blew my mind. And it was one of those things where my, I just, I, I do feel like in a one game in the playoffs, if you had to say which team would I want to avoid most for one game, I have Toronto ranked higher. I think Toronto might be the best team in the league. One game in the playoffs. Winnipeg's the team I want to avoid. Yeah. Well, and the thing is the road to the Grey Cup is through the West is going to go through that city. And then Toronto, it's, it's going to go through the East in Toronto. So these, we should see a good Grey Cup matchup because of the fact that we've got two, the two best teams are on the opposite sides. We we know that they can face in the Grey Cup, right? Yeah. We've had, we've had, come we've, down to blocked field goals. Yeah. yeah we, we, <laughs> we've many times had two of the best teams in the West and been like, oh, too bad these teams couldn't play in the Grey Cup. Yeah. So it blows my, you know, one to nine standings out of the water this year, but oh, if it's first time in a while, if the people whose job it is to make sure, because like realistically, and I think we experience this every year, the CFL playoffs are always so good. Yes. That we leave being like, oh man, I wish we didn't have to wait six months for games. I, Cause there's like a little bit of momentum here. Now, this- now we've actually are like, Oh yeah. yeah. Right now. Like so. we have, and, and I said this going into the 2022 season where I mean, I don't know anything about marketing. I don't know anything about advertising. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but, like, I wanted to see, if, if it was up to me, I thought that the cool way to market the whole season, whether it was through TSN ads or I think it was, like, it's the big bag bombers and everyone's trying to chase them down. Yeah. Like, that's the narrative that we're constructing the season. Well, I think the narrative right now is it's the big bad bombers and the big bad Argos. Yeah. And, like, well, and- are they on a crash course? Can anyone disrupt the crash course that yeah. these guys are Grey Cup rematch? All that they care about. And, like, if you start promoting it just a little bit now, start talking about it a little bit now, when we get this game at the end of September between the two teams, suddenly that's an event. Yes. That's an event that everyone in Canada... September 29th, I believe, is the date, because I've looked this all up. I looked it up earlier, and I just didn't want to get it wrong. I thought it was better (laughs) to just, like, casually allude to it rather than (laughs) say the wrong date. Um, But, like, that has to be... And, and yeah, I'm here, and I'm probably saying this a little bit because the Stampeders who I cover are, are, are a little bit out of the mix right now. And it means so I'm looking at what else interests me around the league most, but it is that it's the fact that like, I think both those teams look at each other and are like, you're nothing like, not you're nothing, but like, Oh, we got you. We got yeah. you. I think that they're cocky. I think that they like a well-earned cockiness. Yep. They're confident, not cocky. They're confident. I think both those teams are like, let's do it. 
Let's get on the field. Let's scrap. Let's see who's the best team in the league. Well, and, and that's what here, we all here, should be doing. But over here on the West Coast, there's this the BC Lions that are lurking. Like, and over on the other, the eastern side of the country, we got the Montreal Alouettes. Are like, okay, we may have looked bad, but oh. we're going to come back. This is what the thing we're going to set up for the playoffs. This is going like, to sound crazy. <laughs> What's the whole thing that the Tie Cats do? The Tie Cats. Oh like, yeah, the Tie Cats. Hot late. The, the, they get hot late and they sneak into the playoffs. Yeah. They look, Bo Levi Mitchell didn't look great earlier in the season, but he's a guy I know can win in the playoffs. I know he's a guy who, so if he's back and they, and they're going to, they, they sure look like they're going to make the playoffs unless somehow they collapse and the Stampeders get hot at the same time. Like, yeah. I don't think Ottawa has a hope. So all of a sudden Hamilton you know, is, Ottawa needed to win this game past this week, yeah. which we didn't even talk about that game, but I know, it was, it was a while ago. It was a while ago. And like, Honestly, like, <laughs> Friday night but, was so long ago. We had a nine-hour football game. But there, football is that, day on there is that argument that, like, oh, a Hamilton team that, that crawls into the playoffs. A lot of people had them as the best team in the East going into the season, just based on paper. Yeah. We were wrong. But that doesn't mean that a team with that much veteran experience, that many players who, who have been here before, doesn't mean that they're not – uh, again, you only have to win one. It's single game elimination. Yeah, you win one, and then you get another shot at winning one. Well, and what, the that, I've heard this adage aren't... before, and it was Tom Higgins who we often say is like, when you host the you host the the divisional final, the other team coming in has won a playoff game, and they feel pretty good about themselves. Mm-hmm. So you, we've seen that sometimes where it's like, oh, the team coming in is like, oh yeah, they got all their confidence built up because they won their their the semifinal game, and you know I've covered many a team that. It's like they they win that semifinal game and they're like, hey, we we got this. Like the 2007 Saskatchewan Rough Riders, they beat the Calgary Stampeders at home, and then it was like they went in and just but, whipped the BC Lions. And it was like, how did you guys beat the BC Lions? They were infinitely better than you. Well, it's sometimes you get the momentum going, and then suddenly it keeps going. So I can't go further back than 2015 here, and this is the only thing about this. And I'm going to go with the West. I believe the Elks finished first in the West in 2015. Okay, yeah. Won the West. Yeah. Stamps would then proceed to finish first three 16, years in a row. 16, 17, 18. Would always win the West final. Yeah. 2019 is the one where Winnipeg finished third, but they got Zach late in the season. It's one of the yeah. weirdest sports stories of all time. But they they went on the road twice once. That This one was the aberration. But other than that, Winnipeg, like basically for the last at least eight, nine seasons, and I'm, my math could be wrong because of the weird COVID cancellation, but like the team that finishes first in the West pretty much always goes to the Grey Cup. So it's like all, all I'm saying is like the but East, it wasn't always that way. I know. So, I know. Yeah. I'm just saying that like it's it's one of those weird ones where, like, I think that we tell ourselves stories. It's the same way. Like, I may have heard a lot during 2016, 2017, 2018 how the season starts at Labor Day is just complete okay. bunk. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the same. <laughs> I've I'm never really understood that one. I, I heard I heard everybody talk about it, and you guys have been talking about it the last couple of weeks. Well, it's just the season like, start. Let me now <laughs> well, you know the season's like like 60 percent over when you're in first so, place with eight wins of course the season didn't start at labor day you're cruising yeah when you're in out of a playoff spot yeah with, you're like okay you know, now the season starts yeah. like, well, now we have to win all our games exactly like, yeah. and it's, i think it's just we we all tell ourselves narratives too <laughs> yeah, exactly. um and i think with this one it's like yeah that tom higgins thing is 100 percent accurate you well, love if you win the East semifinal and you're going into toronto you've got that swagger you've proven you can do it that that little bit of experience winning a tight playoff game how can that hurt you everyone's locked in the other team's been quote-unquote resting no they've been practicing every yes. day preparing for you so i understand that meanwhile if you're the team who's hosting these final you're like oh all these bumps and bruises we've been in the ice tank we've been like you just tell yourself a narrative yes yeah and you can you can craft it whichever you want and i can give you an example of every uh, one way or the other i can give i can say well the 2005 edmonton eskimos came in and beat calgary in calgary and then they beat BC and BC went and won the Grey Cup in Vancouver. Yeah, that was what. But then the 2006 BC Lions, they hosted the West Final. They went to the West Grey Cup. They win it, right? You can say, did they win that one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty sure they did. I don't I'm, I'm going to say they me. did. My computer's at like 12% because I didn't bring my chargers. <laughs> and I need to like. <laughs> I was wondering what you're you're closing it for like, oh, we're just going to. Nah, you're not going to talk about this. Wasn't like you're a not going to look up saying, stats. Wrap it up. This yeah, is literally me. You're not going to look for stats <laughs> that you can't find. Is that No, my computer is. Long story short, but my computer cord 
is like damaged and I'm trying to get a new one. Oh, okay. Uh, the issue is I can't really move it. Like I can if I have to. If I'm going to cover a game, I'm yeah, obviously yeah. bringing it with me. But like I don't want to further damage it, so I didn't bring it with me. Yeah. And so now I I'm, generally don't bring my cord anywhere either. And I, I just charge it and then hopefully it's good throughout the day. Lesson so. learned, guys. Bring right. me cord. Um, <laughs> is there anything you want to add quickly before we wrap? Because it's been amazing. You've done you did way more than I expected you here. Oh, okay. It's, um, after, it's after 11, too. So. Oh, yeah. I should get going. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, interesting. Um, like looking forward, I'm like the, the stamps having a bye week always makes us look to the rest of the league, right? So um, it's going to be a rest of the league type of week as way look forward. And I'm, I'm just uh, I'm interested in what happens because the playoff race, but it's the Hamilton games that are the ones that I'm watching closely right now. You know, my I felt like that is... was their. Be- I felt like that was the best chance for the stamps to get in was you needed Ottawa to win on Friday. They didn't. And you needed to beat the Elks and you didn't. Yep. And now it looks like, okay. The- it was a two game swing. Yeah. It was a two game swing. You know what my bye week means? Pardon? You know what my bye week means? Oh, you're going to take some time off? I have to cover hockey. Oh, great. <laughs> that starts. So when, when, uh, I'm totally golf, oblivious. The Flames, Are the they... Flames golf tournament, I believe, is Wednesday. So that's oh, okay. really for us. And then, like, the rookies go to Penticton. Like, oh, okay. so the, the, it all sort of starts picking up pretty quickly here. But we're going to keep doing life in the 55. We'll keep talking. Yeah. So awesome. Um, Ian Busby, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Guys, what are you doing tonight? I don't know what you're doing tonight. You're probably looking for something. Guys, you got to go check out Mike's Pub. This is probably my favorite pub in the city, 1330 15th Avenue Southwest, right in the Beltline. Honestly, they do it all. I, for years, played trivia on Wednesday nights at Mugs. It's the best trivia night in the city. Other nights, they got music. They got specials every single night. Some of the best food and drink specials in the entire city are at Mugs Pub. You want wine. You want beer. You want cocktails. They got it all. Big fan of their fish and chips. They got some amazing pizza. You want to watch the game? They got TV screens. You want to just have a drink with friends? Perfect spot to do it. You want to have some food? As I said, it's delicious. Mugs Pub. We love having them as a sponsor. We love having them just down the road from us here at our studios. Check out Mugs Pub. They're the best. All right. Thank you to Ian Busby. That was awesome, man. That was honestly, love that guy. Good friend of mine. So happy to have him come on and just kind of talk talk CFL with us casually. It's what we try to do here. Uh, and again, thank you to Fraser and Fig, our, one of our longtime sponsors here. Love them. And love Mugs Pub. And again, if you're a Bills fan, I'm not kidding, man. Mugs Pub is a spot to be in Calgary. They got a huge fan following there. Uh, for all your NFL games, definitely worth checking out Mugs. But um, Bills fans, that's a spot. I'm telling you, I am sort of a Bills fan, but very fair weather. Not really fair weather. The Bills are always good. I just like, I watch a lot of football. So sometimes I'm not the biggest watch every down of NFL until late in the season. But make sure you check out Mugs if you're a big fan. What did I just say? Make sure you check out Mugs if you're a Bills fan. Uh, that is it from us. We are, despite the bye week, we're going to be dropping on regular recordings this week. So Thursday mornings and Monday mornings. Um, I don't know, please like, subscribe, tell your friends. We're just having fun, guys. Anyways. Thanks for watching. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.